0: Good morning. morning. Did you know that it's about the cross? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about heaven. It's not about hell. It's about the glory and honor of God that God gave up heaven and put on flesh and became a man and lived a 33 year sinless perfect life. You know, a lot of people leave that out of the story Uh, uh, for some reason. And I don't really understand why, because it's it's Quite a miraculous thing that a man, Jesus Christ, I know, you say, well, he's God. He's as much God as God is God, but he's as much man as man is man. And he lived his life as a man, empowered by the Spirit of God. But he lived his life as a man, not using his own deity, but simply using the power of God living in him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, true enough that he didn't have an old nature the way that you and I do. And that's quite a difference, to be honest with you. But still, he lived his life as a man and did it sinlessly for 33 and a half years. And he didn't do that for himself. He was already sinless, so he didn't have... You know, to pay a price for his own sin. But he gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, went to the cross, shed his blood and died for our sin, for my sin, for your sin. It's about the cross. It's about the blood. It's about the glory and honor of God. Now, the last two Sundays, we've talked about the second advent. That's the next time when the Lord is going to come. And uh, we certainly look forward to that with great anticipation. I can't wait. For the Lord to show up I think and I say this before I think my wife is a little scared I'm going to step out in front of a truck I'm so excited about seeing the Lord but certainly we uh we have to wait on his time we don't get to go on ours we get to go on his and as excited as I am about seeing the Lord I'm I'm going to wait because he's not done with me and by the way he's not done with you amen he still has a purpose And a plan and a will for your life to bring glory and honor to Him with the life that you have. But uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be talking about the first Advent, the first time that He came. And uh, certainly we realize that uh, things things weren't as good as they could have been the first time that He came. The Bible says we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 in just one verse. Out of Luke chapter 2, boy, it tells the whole Christmas story in those verses. But I just want to use one verse in uh, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 7. And uh, the title of my message this morning is, No Room for Christ. And when I say that title, you're going to already know that uh, verse 7 says this, She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And laid him in the manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Now I, uh, I'm i not surprised that the world back in those days had no room for Christ. They had no room for him in the inn in and Bethlehem. And, and the keepers of that inn couldn't imagine uh, who it was that uh, was there to be born in their stable. He didn't get to be born in a nice a fancy, ritzy hotel room, but uh, because there was no room for him in the inn, they of course turned to the stable and went out and found Mary a place in the stable to give birth to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, in that verse, verse seven, again she brought forth, forth her firstborn son. We understand that Jesus had brothers as well as sisters. Because of that verse, and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no because there was no room for him in the end. Now, practically they were literally turning away the Messiah from their country. We, we, you know we just don't have room for him. yeah, I, I think that America has in a, in a way partaken in that very sin, Maybe not at his birth, but certainly at his, his reign and rule uh, in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God coming to take up residence on the inside of us. You know, the Bible says in Thessalonians, only he that now let it will let until he be taken out of the way. Who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. What's he talking about? The, the rapture of the church and the church is going to be taken out. The Holy Spirit living in the church uh, during this age is going to be gone. And the world is going to say amen to that. Why? Because they have no room for Christ. They're not looking for Him. They're not accepting of Him. And certainly they're not accepting of us as the children of God. And us like they at this time are turning away Christ and Christianity and the Bible. The Word of God. The Savior, if you will, uh, of the world what what Jesus Christ is sometimes excluded in by men here today is what I really want to take a look at. Of course, we're going to wind up looking at parallels from that day to this day. But I want you to realize that first of all, no room In their government. They had no room in the government. Who was in the government? Well, the government was the nation of Rome at the time. They had conquered, they had captured the nation of Israel and took them uh, captive and had uh, placed, you know, people in positions of authority there in the nation. Uh, Of course, they were Jews that were running those positions of authority, but they were doing it under the auspices or the leadership of the nation of Rome. They've constructed, you know, kind of a perfect theory uh, of government and they knew exactly what to do and how to do it. And they didn't need anybody from the outside world, especially from the religious world, telling them how to operate their government. Well, we, we have the same thing here in America. What is it? Separation of? Is that in the Constitution? No. The word separation church or state is not even in the Constitution. And yet we believe that it is a law for us here in America that we have a separation of church and state. Our founding fathers who wrote or penned those words didn't pin them in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, or the Declaration of Independence where it was penned. It was in a letter written to the Danbury Baptist Association by Thomas Jefferson. And he said... That the First Amendment has erected a high wall of separation between church and state. And they end it right there and don't let anybody know what he finished that sentence with was this. That that was a one directional wall. That the First Amendment is a wall that separates the government from being involved in the church. But leaves the door open for the church to be involved in the government. So our founding father, Thomas Jefferson, writing to a question by the Danbury Baptist Association, was answering their question about should the church be involved in government? And the answer is yes, yes, that we are supposed to be involved in our government. And yet the government has become the savior of the people here in America. We, we realize that we have so many government programs, handouts, and, and uh, well, you see exactly what's going on in America today. Uh, they, they called me up. I got a phone call. I thought it was somebody to talk to me about my, you know, Medicare or Social Security now that I'm hitting 65. They've been calling me like 20 times a day. But this was somebody from the government saying, hey, we're giving $2,000 a month out, from the government that does not have to be repaid. Uh, would you like to sign up? And I'm sure they were shocked when I said no thank you and just hung up the phone. But you see what the government is doing is trying. It, it seems to me very much like our government is trying to destroy this nation. It's appalling. It's And we as Christians are standing by allowing those things to take place. We as Christians have to stand up and take our part in our government, in the United States of America, and take a stand against these things in order for us to be able to survive as a Christian nation. Boy, you know, I wince when I say that because I know that our motto is one nation under God, but we haven't been one nation under God for a long, long time. And I'm afraid if things don't change and change quickly, we'll never be one nation under God again. Ronald Reagan said, if we're not one nation under God, then we'll be one nation gone under. And I believe that we have already just about passed that point of no return. Well, not only do you see in that uh, verse 7 where it says, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. There's no room for him in their government. There's no room for him in our government as well. And there's no room in their intellectual needs. Intellectually, what I'm saying is, is that we you know, we, we have arrived. We're not the same people that we were back during Jesus's day. They, they were, well, they were uneducated. You have Peter like you have people like Peter and and the fishermen and and all of those uneducated uh, Jews of the day. They had been educated only in the uh, religion of Judaism. That they had not been, you know, to the finer schools that we have today. That we send our children off to on. Well, it starts off on the little yellow buses. Some of them short, some of them long. I caught the short one. <clears throat> But then they graduate from that and they go on to the, you know, the higher education places of uh, higher learning in America. And we've got such uh, brilliant theologians and teachers and professors in our, in our uh, schools of higher education today that, that they teach our children from grade school all the way up through college. They teach our children that you believe in God? Man, don't you understand that's archaic? That we understand that there's no such thing as a, as a young earth. 6,000 years you think this earth has only been here for 6,000? We have evidence and fossils and things that let's say this, this earth and this universe is somewhere around 13 and a half billion years old. And it's just absolutely uneducated people who are still holding on to believing that the Bible is the truth of the Word of God. We have no room for Christ in our educated society today. We have walked away from that years ago. Jesus doesn't fit into their scientific test tube. You know, you can't put Him in a test tube and shake things together and pour them out and come out with a Christ. A a Savior who stepped out of nowhere onto nothing and spoke everything we know anything about into existence. Do you believe that that God just spoke all of this into being? Well, let me ask you, Mr. Professor, where do you believe that life came from? Oh, non-living matter. Is that correct? You believe that life came from non-living matter? That's the most unscientific thing that anybody can possibly say. On the earth. Oh, you believe that 13 and a half billion years ago that there was a big bang, there was an explosion, that all of the matter of earth and the universe, all of the suns, all of the stars, all of the galaxies out there were all condensed into one little pinhead size piece of matter that was so dense that if you dropped it on the floor, it would fall all the way through the earth in a matter of seconds because of the density and the weight of it. you believe that that pinhead of matter exploded in the white hot explosion, blew all of this in so many different directions that the universe is still expanding as we know it now. And that in that explosion, all of the principles of life, all of the protons and neurons and and all of the building blocks of life somehow came together and formed a speck of life that you can't even hardly see with a microscope. And over billions of years, it primordial sludge, it climbed out of the sludge and grew legs and grew tails and climbed a tree and went to college and got its PhD. That's... That's what you believe. May I say that it takes a pinhead to believe. I don't have that much faith. I, I can't believe that I would much rather I can actually even justify my faith and my belief that God stepped out of nowhere onto nothing and spoke everything that we know anything about into existence and by the breath of His Word something came from not nothing, something came from somebody. Amen. Life begats life. Life does not come from non-living matter. And an explosion doesn't cause all of the matter of the universe that was in a pinhead size to be exploded across the universe. Well, there's no room in our government for Him. There's no room in our intellectual establishments not then not now there was no room in their spiritual needs those people believed that they had the true and living God and by the way let me agree with them all right because I believe that Judaism was and I reiterate was the true religion of the world of that day that they actually did worship the true and living God his name was Jehovah his name still is Jehovah, He's the same God today, yesterday, and forever. There's no shadow of turning in Him. The only problem with Judaism today is that God has come out of the old and into the new when the nation of Israel rejected the Messiah and stopped doing what it was that God had called them to do. They were, they were knowledgeable about the Word of God. The Old Testament. You talk to a Jew today and I'm talking about uh, a fundamental Jew, Hasidic Jew of the day with the little curls in the hat. And they go to the wailing wall and they weep and they cry. And they're still worshiping the God of the Old Testament under Old Testament standards and regulations. Those Jews, when you talk to them about the New Testament, they will look at you with fire in their eye. Because they do not believe in a New Testament. They don't understand what it is that you're talking about. There is only one Testament. It's the Old Testament. It is the law of Moses. It's the Talmud. And outside of that, there is no God. God. And they know all of the Scriptures of the Old Testament that were teaching about the coming of the Messiah. But when God sent His Son in the form of human flesh, they missed Him. They missed Him. They said, we'll not have this man to rule over us. And they cried out one day, Hosanna! Hosanna to the King! And they were laying palm branches on the ground and ushering Him in. And the very next day, the same people were crying out, crucify crucify him. And they did. They killed him because they had no room for him in their religion. They had no sense of their own sin. And many people today have no sense of their own sin. There's no, no room in religion for Christ today. We look at the we look at the Bible as a book of well there are options not a book of laws not a book of commandments not a book of violation of the word of God and when we violate the law the commandments the word of God that is sin but we we we've, we've evolved you see we believe in in. Microevolution. We don't believe that, that human beings came from birds, you know, and, and that all of these great big huge leaps of evolution, but we do believe in microevolution in that we have evolved mentally, spiritually, intellectually, all of these different ways, and, and now we're living in a different time than they lived in back then. So now all of this book that was written back then that applied to those Does not really apply to us people because we have grown and evolved to a degree that that's no longer applicable to our lives. But I'm afraid that when we stand before either, hopefully, the Bema seat of Christ, which is the judgment seat, where we'll stand as Christians and be judged not according to our faith and whether we're lost or saved, but according to the life that we live for His glory and His honor... That when we stand before Him, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh, wait a minute! It's going to be during the judgment. That's going to be after the tribulation. We're going to all be in heaven. There's no, there's no crying, no mourning, no weeping uh, in heaven. So no, we won't be sorry for the life we live. Oh, yes, you will. We will receive rewards according to that which we have done, whether it be good or evil, the Bible says. And yes, sir, just as Peter looked up into the face of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross when he had just got through denying the Lord the third time by the, when the rooster crowed and he wept. My friend, do you think we're going to look Jesus in the face and realize the sin in our lives that we were unrepentant of and not weep? We may not weep here. We may not weep now. We may not have room for Christ in our spiritual needs in this life. But my friend, when we stand before Him, we will fall at His feet as a dead man. They paint pictures of young women running to Christ and throwing themselves and wrapping their arms and even their legs around Him with this joyful smile on their face. I'm telling you that when you see him, you'll fall at his feet as a dead man. And you will worship him for who he is. The lion of the tribe of Judah, not the babe of Bethlehem, not the meek and lowly, humble Galilean. But you will worship him as God when we see him. They had no sense of their sin. Many have no sense of their sin Today, and therefore, because, you know, what is the word therefore, therefore, because they had no appreciation or sense of their own sin, therefore, they have no room for Christ in their hearts, in their homes, in their lives, in their families, and even in their churches, because they, well, sin in others, this we see, but thank the Lord, there's none in me, we we don't have sin here in our church, do we? Uh, Aren't we uh, a gathering of, of blood-bought, born-again, in love with Christ, sinners that do everything sinlessly perfect, and, and we gather together to worship Him and to sing praises and songs to His name? We hide His Word in our heart that we might not sin against God, and therefore all of my sins were on the shoulders of Christ when He hung on the cross. It's under the blood, and now I'm I'm sin-free. Romans chapter 8. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And yes, I'm walking after the Spirit, and therefore I have nothing to be ashamed or convicted of. My friend, if we say we have no sin, we lie and do not the truth, is what the Bible says in First John. Well, we have no room or they have no room for Him in their government, none for Him in their intellectual needs. None for Him in the heart of their life as well. You look again at uh, that. It says that when they came to the end, they sent them away because they had no room for Jesus. Not governmentally, not intellectually, not spiritually, and certainly not in our heart. Why? Why? Well, because there's only so much room in my heart, and, and, and I have a lot of things sitting on that throne in my heart. You know, first of all, the person that is firmly rooted and grounded and uh, sitting on that throne is yours truly, me, me, myself, and I. Uh, we are we are narcissistic. If we're nothing else, we we love ourselves. The Bible says to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. So, boy, those are the two main attractions when it comes to the law of God. What is the greatest law? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. How many times do we violate that every day? Every day, do we love Him with all of our heart? All of it, no, because if we loved Him with all of our heart, we wouldn't have any lo- room to love anything else with any of our heart. And certainly, if I'm to treat my neighbor and to love my neighbor as myself, and I love myself supremely, then certainly I'm not loving Him the way that I ought to either. So we fail at just putting Christ or giving Him room in our hearts when He should be preeminent. Of all of those who exclude Jesus Christ, the most numerous and perhaps the guiltiest are those who, recognizing His claim and His power, His ability to claim that position in our hearts, we know His claims, we know His power, we know His ability, and yet we still refuse to welcome Him into our hearts to rule and to reign from the throne in our lives. May I say that any time we put things in front of Christ, I know that not this coming Sunday but the following Sunday is going to be Christmas. Christmas happens to be on the 25th this year. What's more important to you on what we celebrate as the birthday of Christ? Is it going to be gathering together to worship him? with other believers in the house of God? Or is it going to be cooking a Christmas dinner and giving presents and going and visiting loved ones that we love and have rooted in our hearts more firmly than we have our love for Christ? Now, I'm not asking for a raise of hands or for an answer from that. That's a rhetorical question, but I do hope and pray that you will ask yourself that question. What is... The most important thing in my life is it? Is it my material needs? Is it my physical needs? Is it my emotional needs? Or is it the spiritual need that I have of a relationship and fellowship? You see, I I can skip out. I understand that I have freedom of the will and I don't have to do what God commands me to do. And I know that God loves me and that even if I choose the wrong thing, that He will forgive me. Therefore, I can do what I want to and God will not punish me for that. That's the line of reasoning that we allow ourselves to do what we want to do rather than what we know we should do. And yet we don't understand that a lot of the consequences of our actions are rolled up into the circumstances of life. And we look at the things that are going wrong in our homes and our lives and our families and our business and our finances and all of the things that are going wrong in our lives. And we think, well, those are just circumstantial things. Those happen to everybody. Yes, but we're not just anybody. We are the children of God. And if we think that we can get away with that stuff the way the world does, they're going to pay for it after this life. We pay for it during this life. The consequences of our actions in our homes and our families and our lives sometimes, maybe all the time, are due to us not making room you know i have a sermon i teach about time and time is a funny thing you can spend it you can use it you can do all kinds of things you you can make it you know make time and we need to make time when we don't have enough time we need to make time for christ in our homes in our families in our lives but one thing you cannot do with time is get it back once it's spent once it's gone It's gone. It's like the bullet that leaves the barrel. It's like the arrow that leaves the bow. Once it's flown, there is no reaching out and grabbing it and bringing it back. Oh, you can pick up and start doing better next time. But this time was spent foolishly. And there's a price to pay. There's a cost for those things in our life. Well, lastly, no room... And Christmas itself isn't that a shame? you know I, I used to Christmas used to be one of my favorite holidays. It has become so materialized now isn't it uh, you, uh, you, you can't you can't put Christmas decorations of a religious nature on any governmental Property, well, you got to go back to, you know, Roman numeral one for that. We we don't need Christ in our government. So they say, and any time we want to put up, you know, like I have in my yard, uh, what do they call those little things where Joseph and Mary and the cradle and the... Yeah, there you go. You know what they are. It's a nativity scene. Not in the world we live in. Oh, you can do it at your own house. But if you try to do that on a larger scale in your school, in your governmental buildings, it's always amazed me that the Supreme Court has the Ten Commandments with Moses holding you know, the, the Ten Commandments over the, over the top of the building of the Supreme Court. I, I'm I'm amazed at this cancel culture that we're living in today that are turning over statues of our founding fathers because they supposedly had slaves or something and and yet they were Christian men and those things are oxymorons and how do you blend christianity and slavery together we need to get rid of all symbols of christianity in america doesn't matter if it's a heritage thing doesn't matter if our Bill of Rights, our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, everything that we hold dear as an American citizen in this country was written and founded on the Bible, the Word of God. We can't have those things in our government anymore, not even on Christmas Day, not even if Christmas Day is on Sunday. You can't do that. When did we, as Christians, allow that? To be the norm. When did we just roll over? and Give up the ghost? I watched a man on YouTube. Because somebody sent it to me. I don't even remember who sent it to me now. It was a Catholic priest. And I, I put it back out there. And at the top I said, I'm not a Catholic. But I admire what this man is standing for. You go to my YouTube page and you you look at it. You listen to what this, this Catholic priest has to say about the President of the United States, who by the way, is a Catholic. And he says, how did our church, the Catholic church, how did we allow, how did we vote this man in to office and to say that he is a representative of what it is that we believe? May I say that I'm ashamed that I'm admiring a Catholic for doing what we as Baptists should be doing individually. Every one of us should be appalled at what's going on in our nation. That we have no room. Less and less and less as the days go by, as the years go by, as time passes, we have less and less and less room for Christ in our nation. Would to God. That the Republican Party. Who had a man that actually put people on the. On the. Thrones of the Supreme Court. That did something about overturning Roe versus Wade. That now that that is. That is against the law instead of law. And he served one term. And we didn't vote him back into office when all of the things that he did. Oh, I know. Well he's he's a rogue. He he's uncouth. He's not like us. We didn't like him. We didn't like his character. We didn't like the way he was. We didn't like the color of his skin. He was orange. I don't care if he was pink and purple with polka dots. He was a man that God put on that throne. I wasn't voting for a preacher. I was voting for a president. And he put him on a throne to do something in this nation that now we look back at and say, boy, I wish we would have that some more. I'd like to have that again. And I'm wondering if it's just too late because we failed the test. We allowed them to take that away from us again. And we're losing more and more ground. We're losing more and more of our spirituality. We're losing more and more of our Christianity every year that goes by. No room for Christ Himself. May I say, don't exclude Christ this Christmas. It's okay to have a Christmas tree. I don't believe that in the Old Testament where it talks about that tree nailing it to the floor and coming in and decorating the tree. Did you know that's in the Old Testament that they have a tree in the Old Testament that they talk about bringing into the house, nailing it to the floor and decorating it. But they're not talking about Christ and Christmas during that. What they're talking about is idolatry. And certainly we have no idolatry going on at Christmas just because we have a Christmas tree in our living room. And there's nothing wrong with buying presents and doing all of those things that we do to celebrate the birth of Christ, but to have Santa Claus and reindeer and all of the secularism that goes along with Christmas and to not have Christ would be the ultimate sin of America. For us to have crosses and... All of the displays out in our yard of Christianity. Not have Him in our heart. To not love Him. To not serve Him. To have no room for Him. Not outwardly, but inwardly. Not to surrender and submit every ounce, every inch, every fiber of our being to His Lordship. Not to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Ultimate sin. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love, for your mercy. God, we thank you for this opportunity. God, here during this month of the Advent, God, that we have been preaching on the second coming that we look forward to. We're now preaching on the first coming that has already passed and the mistakes that were made. God, the mistakes that are continuing even unto this day, the same mistakes that we as human beings have been making so long. God, help us to put you first above anything and everything in our lives. We'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.